Thank you for joining us for the Highland Ministry Podcast. We're so glad that you're with us today for this special edition of the Highland Ministry Podcast, where Pastor Mike Wiggins brings the message entitled, Hope Happens Here. Now, Pastor Mike Wiggins. I uh, did not introduce myself to you, some of you. I'm, I'm, my name is Mike Wiggins, my wife Cindy, and uh, we, I am the interim pastor here as this church searches for its uh, pastor, and uh, that uh, team will be meeting this afternoon. So uh, you be praying for them as they are meeting after, uh, after lunch today. And, uh, but anyway, just uh, wanted to uh, make sure, you know, I, I got up here assuming you knew who I was and probably wondering who is that guy. But, uh, but anyway, we're glad that you're here. Would you take your Bibles today and turn with me to Romans 15? And we are going to look at verse 13, and we'll be looking at several different passages as we go along. And, and, and I, I, uh, I'm going to be starting a series next week in Colossians and uh, preaching just through the book or letter of Colossians. Uh, but uh, today I wanted to just uh, really kind of come off of the theme that we have today, and that is hope happens here. Uh, and uh, we'll be looking at this verse in just a moment. And... Uh, but you know, today, as we think about this, and you, you, I'm sure, sure that you saw information that uh, the emphasis is going to be hope happens here, and uh, we were going to be focusing on hope, and uh, you know, maybe you, you got excited about that, uh, maybe you're thinking, I, I need a stronger hope, but, but maybe, you know, uh, that, that was you, but I really doubt it, because you know, even though hope is referenced dozens of times in the Bible, in the Scriptures, we don't really pause much to really focus on exactly what it is and why it is so important to the Christian life. And maybe the, one of the reasons that we uh, you know, do that is because you know, what we mean by hope and what the Bible means by hope are two really very different things. And that is when we use the hope, word hope, we usually are, it's kind of cross your fingers, you know. Sort of wishful thinking, right? Uh, we use that word in that way. Uh, that is, we, uh, I hope this year is better than last year. I hope my team wins, you know, or something like that. Or, you know, uh, I, I, I hope my kids turn out okay. I hope this sermon is a short one. <laughs> uh, that's not hope, that's fantasy, right? <laughs> or wishful thinking. But, but anyway, you know, when, when, when we do that, uh, it, it's really that our hope is just sort of wishing for something. Not necessarily expecting it. We're just wishing for it. It's like the old expression, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. It's something I want, but it's not really something that I can really count on. Well, that is the exact opposite of what the Bible means when the word hope is used. Because you see, when the Bible speaks of hope, it is referring to something that is not just a possibility, but it is referring to something that is a certainty. 
It's not something that could happen. It is something that will happen. Biblical hope is a sure thing. That's the reason why we can build our lives on it. Because it is a sure thing. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23, the Bible says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So you see, biblical hope is as strong and as trustworthy as the God who it comes from. Right? That is our hope. In fact, let me just give you a very simple biblical definition of hope this morning. A biblical definition of hope is just simply, just two words, confident expectation. Confident expectation. And hope is this constant, confident assurance that we have nothing to fear because our almighty God is with us, he is in us, and he is for us. The reason I know that is the Word of God says in, 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 the, in, the, in Matthew 1, 23, the Scripture says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name, what? Emmanuel, which means God with us, right? And then Paul writes in Colossians 1, 27, To them God chose to make uh, known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then in Romans 8, 31, Paul says this, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So you see, folks, God is with us, He is in us, and He is for us. God, who, is, who has unlimited power, unlimited understanding, unlimited wisdom, unlimited love, who is undefeatable, who works everything out perfectly according to his will, and he does that every time. He works it out according to his will, his word, and his way. This God is with us, this God is in us, and this God is for us. He created you. He loves you. He comes to you. He died for you. He saved you. He forgave you. He cleansed you, filled you, protects you, sustains you guides you, and will be with you forever. These divine promises form for us the foundation of hope. Hope is the fuel of our faith. and Faith keeps believing, and hope is what we keep believing in. And so Peter writes in 1 Peter 3.15, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. The word reason there in the scripture is the word logos, and which we get our word logical from. And, and so the hope we have is, is not rooted in fantasy. It is rooted in wisdom. Listen, our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ is full of imagination, but it is found on, founded on reasonable explanation. So with all your mind, let's just this morning read this text. I want you to look with me just at this one verse in Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you 
with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. You see, in that one short verse, we find so much truth about the hope of God and in and, and which we can build our lives on. And I want to just give you these things. We're just going to look at four things, and then we're going to go eat, okay? Four things. I want you to notice with me, first of all, the source of hope. He says, may the God of hope. We see uh, similar descriptive titles of God all throughout Scripture. We see things like the God of truth, the God of mercy, the God of patience, the God of comfort, the God of love, the God of all grace. So here we see Paul says he is the God of hope. Now, I want you to think about that in a couple of ways. When we say that he's the source, when we say, when Paul says that may the God of hope, he says, that means that he is the supplier of hope. He supplies it. This hope that God wants us to possess is only something he can give to us. He, it's the only place we can get it. He has got the monopoly on it because you can't manufacture hope, folks. You, you can't fake this hope. You can't reproduce this hope. God's hope is given to God's people. Let me tell you when it happens. is when we put our trust in the one that God the Father gave to us who died for us on the cross when Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh, came and died on the cross for us, was buried and rose again. And when we put our trust in Him, when we do that, He gives us hope. The psalmist says, I find rest in God. Only He gives me hope. You know, listen, people put their hope in, in government. They put their hope in relationships. They put their hopes in, in their career. They put hopes in their retirement fund. But the problem with that kind of hope, that it, it is only as strong as its source. And see, if your hope is put in anything that is temporary, your hope will not last. That is why the biblical writers always exhort us to put our hope in the eternal God. That is, He is the source of hope <clears throat> that lasts. He's the supplier of hope. But He also is the object of hope. You, you see, He gives us hope because He is hope. What he's doing is he is giving us himself. That's what he's doing. All I can do for you or, or you can do for me is just kind of tell me something that you're going to do and, and try to get it done or something like that. But you see, when God gives us hope, what he's doing is he's giving us himself. Ephesians 2 says, those who are godless are hopeless. The absence of God means the absence of hope. See, God doesn't just give you hope. He is hope. But then you say, Mike, listen, I understand what you're talking about. But why is it that this God of hope <clears throat> allows us to go through all the difficulty and all the trouble that we go through? You say this God who is with us, who is in us and for us, and yet we have all kinds of problems. 
I'm, 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 I know sitting in this, in this sanctuary today, there are a lot of problems, right? We've all got them. Have you ever read about a, the baby giraffe? You know, I've never seen a giraffe born. But that, it must be some kind of sight. Because you see, the first, the first part of the giraffe that emerges is the hooves and the head. And then the entire calf appears and tumbles six feet to the ground on his back. And then mother giraffe goes and stands over that little baby who has just fallen below her, just standing there. I don't know what she's doing, but maybe counting hooves or something like that. I don't know. But when in a matter of seconds, she takes one of those big old legs and she just kicks that little baby giraffe head over heels. And if that baby doesn't get up, she kicks it again. And then she kicks it again. And she kicks it again. And you say, well, that's cruel. That's unnecessary. Yes, but what you have to do is understand what's going on. Because you see, the mother knows that if that little baby is going to survive in the wild, she has got to learn to get up quick. Right? She's got to learn to get up quick and run with the herd or she will die. That mama giraffe is teaching that young one, you can't stay down. you got to keep getting up. And when you get kicked around in life, remember that giraffe and let it strengthen your hope. In Romans 5, 2 through 5, it says, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Do you know what books in the Bible have the most references to hope? There are three of them. Three top. They have the most. They're the Psalms, and they're Romans, and Job. Does that surprise you? Job. Job suffered the loss of his children. Job suffered the loss of virtually all of things that he had, his property, his good health. Job struggled mightily to see where God was in the face of all the difficulty and suffering and adversity that he faced. And in, in this struggle, he came face to face with the living God. And one of the most famous statements from Job was this, Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. You know what Job came to understand? He learned that Satan's goal was not to destroy him. It was to discredit God. That's what he was trying to do. Therefore, our goal should not be to live free of pain, but our goal should be to live in a way that brings glory to God. Max Licato said this. He wrote, A season of suffering is a small price to pay. For a clear view of God. You see, God, uh, so rather Job, had learned to trust God and find his hope in God. He, his suffering had produced perseverance, and perseverance had produced character, and character had produced hope. And Job, God's had filled Job with a confident, constant assurance that he had nothing to fear because God Almighty was with him, in him, and for him. 
So you see, you, what do you, you say to a person who finds themselves in a situation that seems hopeless? And maybe you, maybe you feel that way. You're, you're kind of slamming the door in the face of God. What do you do when the, when the, when the world says, give up? You whisper, keep going. Right? Keep going. Because we serve the God of hope. That is the source of our hope. Let me, let me just give you quickly the evidence of hope. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. When you have this confident assurance that you can live, you, then you can live without fear. You can place your faith in the Almighty God because He is with you, He is in you, and He is for you. And it produces something wonderful in us. When we are living that way, He gives us joy and He gives us peace. That's an evidence of it. Galatians 5.22 give gives us the fruit of the Spirit. He said the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. Fruit is just a, an evidence of, a, of an inward work. And joy and peace are the fruit of the evidence. It's proof that the, the inner working of the Holy Spirit of God in our life. And that happens by us just putting our trust in God. Putting our trust in Jesus Christ. And, and when you are full of worry and you're full of anxiety. And when you lack joy and peace, it is a sign. It is a sign. Listen, I'm talking to myself. When I don't have joy, when I don't have peace, when I got anxiety, it's says to me, Mike, you have a hope problem. You have a hope problem. That's where your hope needs to be in the Lord. Peace and joy are impossible apart from hope of God. And if you don't have that confidence and that confident, you know, assurance that comes from knowing that God is in you and with you and for you, you're going to struggle with peace and you're going to struggle with joy. You know, I heard a true story about a little boy. He was in a burn unit in a hospital in Philadelphia, a little fifth grader. He'd been burned terribly, and he was healing really slow, and this young boy had really kind of given up hope. And he had become despondent, he had become de depressed, and he didn't want to talk to anybody, he didn't want to talk to visitors, but one day his school teacher came by. And she wasn't prepared for what she saw, the extent of the injuries, and, but she tried to hide her shock. And, and the story goes that she said well, to him, she said, well, since you've missed class this last couple of months, I wanted to stop by because we're about to learn nouns and adverbs. The next day, the teacher returned again, and the nurse asked her, she said, what did you say to him yesterday? She thought she was in trouble. She thought she'd said something wrong, and she began to apologize. The nurse interrupted her and says, no, it's, it's, he's better. He's decided to live. And they, they went into the room, and the little boy's eyes just kind of lit up when the teacher came in the room, and the nurse asked him why his attitude was so different. And he said, I thought I was going to die, and nobody would tell me the truth. But then my teacher showed up, and then I realized she wouldn't come tell me to be working on nouns and adverbs if I was going to die, right? See, hope changes our attitude, doesn't it? Changes our outlook. It's so easy to get our eyes on this broken world that we live in and this broken government that we see and this broken families and broken bodies and broken churches and we can feel hopeless 
We want to throw our hands up in the air. And we want to sometimes say, what's the use? There's just no hope. But Jesus came to this world, listen, didn't He? He came into this world. He came for you and for me. And He died on a cross and He took what was hopeless and He gave it hope. And because of that, we can hope in tomorrow, folks. Because we have a God who's with us and in us and for us. Corey Ten Boone was a prisoner in Nazi concentration camp for two years. I love many things that Corey Ten Boone said, but one she said this. She said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Right? Well, there's a third aspect. We see the source, the evidence, but I want to show the activation because I'm, I'm sure you're thinking, well, how do we get this going? How do we activate this hope? Well, look what he says there. Let's go back and look at that verse. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit may abound in hope. See, hope is available, but it's not automatic. How do you access this hope? How do you activate this hope that can flood you with joy and peace? Let me just tell you simply. It's just by trusting God. It's by trusting Him. It means that we believe what He said. And we believe what He says in this Bible is true. Psalm 25 says, Indeed, 25.3, Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. Right? Psalm 28.7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. In Him my heart trust." We have to trust God. Our level of trust really in God is revealed in our lives when we find ourselves in a hard spot. When we find ourselves up against something that we don't know what to do. When trials and trouble hit us in our lives, we have a choice. We can choose to trust ourselves or we can choose to trust God. We can choose just to center in on the problem or we can choose to believe God. You remember the Israelites? When they left Egypt to go to the promised land, they came to the Red Sea. And Pharaoh was right behind them. They had the sea in front of them. They had Pharaoh behind them. A bloodthirsty king who was after them. Everything in that situation appeared hopeless. And we say, well, you know, God, you could have parted that sea two days in advance. So when they got there, they just could have run through, right? Isn't that the way we think? You could have just done it. Why didn't you just do it two days ahead? But he waited so they could learn to trust him. He waited so they could understand it was him who was doing this and he was producing in them this confident, constant assurance that there was nothing to fear because he was with them. He was in them and he was for them. Many people, maybe you here today, have taken as a life verse, you know, when things get real difficult, you've taken as a life verse Jeremiah 2911. People love that verse. Sometimes I think it's one of these verses that we use out of context and not really what it means, but in Jeremiah 2911 it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. 
Boy, that's a great verse, isn't it? And that's the reason why you see that, you know, as a, as a verse, of, uh, as a life verse. You know, our, our middle grandson has cystic fibrosis, and, and uh, they do these walks for cystic fibrosis. And our daughter had ch- chosen one year in, in the walk that we were in with him and raising money for cystic fibrosis. That was the verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. See, what most people don't realize is that this promise that God gave to the people of Israel came at the lowest time in the life of Israel. It came at the lowest time. They were about to enter into 70 years of captivity and slavery as a discipline for God. A discipline from God for the rebellion in their life against Him. They were about to go into what was the most hopeless situation. And what God was saying to them is, yes, you have failed. You are about to experience difficult discipline and the consequences of not obeying. But I want you to know, I haven't given up on you. I'm not throwing you aside. In fact, I got great things ahead for you. Who am I speaking to here today who thinks that God has put them on the, on the side somewhere? It doesn't have anything that God can do in your life. You're, you're not useful to Him. I want you to know God is saying, I want you to focus on me. I want you to trust me. I want you to believe me because my, your hope is in me. I grew up singing in church, standing on the promises of God. The great thing about standing on the promises of God is you can't break them by standing on them, right? You can't break them. God's promises can't be broken by you, and they can't be broken by God. And as you stand on His promises and as you trust in Him, He will strengthen you and flood you with hope. The last thing I want to say is this. I want you to see not only the source... Not only the evidence, not only the activation, but I want you to see the abundance of hope. Here's what he says. May the God of hope fill you with all joy peace, and, and peace in believing. And so that the power of the Holy Spirit may abound, overflow in hope. I want to remind you about something today. The supply of hope that God has for us is unlimited. He doesn't give you a hope, a cup of hope. He doesn't give you a gallon of hope. He doesn't give you a bathtub of hope. He doesn't even give you an ocean of hope. Our eternal God gives you an endless supply of hope. And he will never, ever run dry. He keeps filling it up and refilling it because his hope as we trust in him. And you will never face a day or a circumstance or a season of life where he won't give you that hope to get you through it. In Hebrews 6, 19, 20, it says, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into, uh, that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. See, hope is really the anchor of our soul. It's the anchor of our soul. What does that, what does that mean? Well, you know, in, in, in Bible times, they had a technology 
you know, to, uh, before there was a technology, I should say, of dredging harbors. How did they do that? You know, I mean, the ancient mariners came up with this ingenious idea. When they came up against a place where they needed to dredge the harbor so that your ship could come in, they would take a little small boat and they'd put somebody in that boat. And they would put an anchor that was attached to the boat. And that person would take that boat and he would go and go through the area to make it to where the ship could go. And then he would put that anchor down on some rocks. And then they would just simply take out the slack and bring the ship in just following that rope. That person in that boat was called a forerunner. He was a forerunner. You see, the Bible says that Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our rock. Jesus is our anchor. You see, I believe that in this room today and those who are listening online and those who will listen to this later, that there are some folks that are just adrift and you're floating around and you're blown about with every wind and your every fad and every confusion and every new hurt that comes in your life and you're just pushed and blown about and you need an anchor for your soul. And what does the Bible say in this verse? It says, the verse there I just read to you out of Hebrews, it says, Jesus has entered the sanctuary behind the curtain. I don't have time to go into all of that holy of holies, but he went into that holy of holies that was behind that curtain that nobody could go in except the high priest one time a year. Jesus has entered into that place for us behind the curtain. He went in before us. He is our forerunner, right? He is our forerunner. He is our anchor. Can I tell you what that means? You see, I can tell you right now, folks, right now, we're not in heaven. Hey, that, you, you see that pretty clearly, right? We're on the earth. We're not in heaven. But because we are attached to Jesus Christ, if you are, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are attached to Jesus Christ by faith and you are trusting in Him and He has already placed that anchor in heaven for you. And He is with you and He is guiding each of us into that harbor with precision. And now like that ship that's not yet in that harbor but is safely anchored, we are anchored in Jesus Christ and He is in heaven already. And that, folks, is not wishful thinking. That's not wishful thinking. I want you to understand that is the constant, confident assurance that we have nothing to fear because Almighty God is with us, He is in us, and He is for us. This is our hope, and that is where our joy and our peace comes from, placing our hope in Him. I want to ask you today, have you placed your hope in Him? That's the only place that you can get that. I shared with you a little bit ago God is the one who has the monopoly on hope. You can't get it anywhere else. You can't work it up. This church doesn't have a, some kind of room back there that's supplied with hope that we can give to you. I don't have any supply of hope that I can give to you. I struggle on my own. But we serve a God 
who has an endless supply of hope. So if you've given up, what I'm going to tell you to do today is keep going. Put your trust in him. If you've placed your trust in Jesus already, but yet you've, you've been looking at this broken world and broken everything that's around us and, and you've given up hope, I want to just tell you, keep going. Keep going. Would you stand as we pray? Father, I thank you for this time we've been able to spend together in your word. And Lord, I thank you that this word is true. I thank you, Lord, as we, as we read it, as we study it, as we apply it, Lord, in our lives, Lord, exactly what you say is what will happen. Lord, we're in need today of that joy and peace that you give. And Lord, we know that it comes when we put our hope and our trust in you. Help us to do that today. Help me to do that today, Lord. Help everyone here today. And I pray, Lord, especially for those who are in this room today that, that have never trusted you. They don't know you. They don't have a relationship with you. That in just a moment, Lord, they just simply pray. Just, if they just pray this prayer right now. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again. I ask you, Lord, to forgive my sin. To come into my life. And I, by faith, accept what you did for me. I don't understand it all. But I accept it by faith, Lord. And I trust you and you alone to save me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Lord, I pray for whoever prayed that prayer. They had, Lord, in just a moment, they'd just step out and let us know. I prayed that prayer. Or I, I want somebody to help me understand better. And Lord, I pray for those of us who in this room, we struggle. And Lord, we disappoint you because you are our hope. And we act like we have no hope sometimes. And help us, Lord, to put our trust in you. Forgive us that we failed you, Lord. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have just heard a message from God's Word, and now it's your chance to respond. What is God calling you to do in response to today's message? Let us know by going to hbcmolino.com forward slash life. We'd love to connect with you. Thanks for joining us today on the Highland Network. Enjoy your day.